This uh, morning, we're kicking off a three-week series. It's the same series we do every year. <laughs> it's uh, going over our mission statement. And, and so it's, I love it on the one hand, and I hate it on the other hand, because on the one hand, it lets me talk about what I'm so passionate about with Living Spring. Our mission statement to me is very, very important, and I love preaching on it. But then it's also the thing I don't necessarily like because I just preached on it a year ago, and I don't like preaching on something and then like the next year preaching on it again and then again because it, I bore myself. And so, um, but I was assured by people I trust that you wouldn't have remembered anything I said last year anyway, <laughs> and so it turned out really awesome, uh, I think, uh, but... But we're going to talk about our mission statement, and if you look at your bulletins on the back, is our mission statement, it's to reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. Those are our three things. They all start with R, um, but that's not what makes them important. Each particular word is very, very important to the lifeblood of our church. And, and the reason I go over our mission statement every year is so that we can continue to define what we mean by those words. If I were to say, yeah, our church is really into outreach, and you were to come up and talk in the microphone, you might have five or to ten different kind of ideas of what that means for a church to be, uh, to be a church that reaches. If I were to say that we are a church that's big into restoration, some of you might think 12-step programs, some of you might think old cars, some of you might think, you know, whatever the, the issue is with the restoration. So what, the reason we go over these every year is so that we can continue to refine and continue to define what we mean by that. So that when we move forward into 2013, we're all on the same page and we're all moving together. I want to show you how this works, and you'll see more and more of it as we go uh, into the coming weeks. But I stole these circles from, from Saddleback Church. I didn't actually steal the circles. I stole the idea. I didn't go into somebody's office and grab them. Um, but this, these five circles represent groups of people as they relate to the context of who we are as a church. And so um, I, I like the way Saddleback did this, so I stole it. The outer band is the community, and these are people who are just in our circle of influence. Now, when I talk about the church's community, I'm not just talking about right around 9851 Bixby Avenue. We make up the church. If you're, if you're visiting, you'll get a good kind of idea of how, how we talk, but we make up the church. So when you go home, this, you are become part of Living Springs' reach because you are bringing the gospel, you're bringing a transformed life into the neighborhood, the community that you um, live in or work in or what have you. And so those are the, those are the community people. Uh, they might not, <coughs> excuse me, ever come into our church at all. Then there's the crowd. And those are people who would make it in here sometime, maybe for a funeral, wedding, oftentimes in our youth group. Uh, the parents don't attend church here. They drop the kids off and then leave. They would be part of the crowd. They drive on campus, they drop their kids off and, and just kind of getting a little bit closer. And then comes the congregation. That's most of us in here. If you're not a visitor, these are the people that would call Living Spring their church. It, they might only come once a year, but if you were to say, do you have a church? They would say, yes, it's Living Spring. Easter, Christmas, and yes, that's my church. 
Okay, then there's the committed. Those are the people who not only call Living Spring their church, but they would be regular attenders. They're committed to the church. They're committed to the direction of the church. Um, probably uh, are committed financially to the, the well-being of the church, all that. And then there's the core. And those are the, those who are running ministries. Um, they're very vested, uh, both financially and time-wise and heart-wise. Living Spring to them is like another child, okay? So um, I'm in the crowd part, but you guys might be in a... In, no, okay. Uh, okay. So anyway, the reach part of our mission statement is essentially those outer two bands and maybe coming into congregation a little bit. But this is, when we talk about reaching, we're talking about people kind of out on the outer bands of who we are. And so we would have reach events, like what Bob was talking about, that finance class on Wednesday nights. It said four weeks. It's actually six weeks. Um, but that would be a reach event. You would be able to, as you're involved with people in your neighborhood, at work, what have you, as they say, man, my finances are just out of control, you can say, hey, you might want to attend this class on Wednesday nights to talk about how to get out of debt, how to have a budget, how to have a, your, you know, as a married couple on the same page financially, which is, you know, sometimes for a married couple, one's going one direction, one's going the other direction, one wants to tear up the cards and one's applying for more. And so you just kind of have this, this, you know, tension maybe or whatever, that would be a reach event. And we're, we're going to try as we move into 2013, 2013 to have more of those with raising kids and uh, healthy marriages and, and stuff like that. So those would be reach events. And essentially what we want to do, and we're, I'm not ashamed of this. It's not a bait and switch. I'll tell you to your face. I want to get you from one band drilled down to the next one. If you're part of the crowd, I want to get you uh, part of our congregation. And, and again, not, not because I want to grow the church and we have, now we have 600 people and aren't we cool, but as typically what we've found, as people go from band to band, they grow deeper in their relationship with God. And so as we get people who are just not kind of attending Easter and, Sun, and Christmas, but are now becoming committed, they become regular attenders, we tend to watch their lives transform, not only their lives, but their relationships and, and things like that. And so we, unashamedly, I want to get you to the core. And the way we talk about that is this. We want to take someone from a first-time visitor to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's what we want to do. And so we are always going to try to push you, pressure you, uh, bribe you, do whatever we can to get you down into a, another band, okay? I don't get more money, by the way, as you go down the band. So it's not like a multi-level marketing thing. It's just we see over and over and over again as people, we call them next steps, as people take those next steps, like we took uh, last week when we dealt with our one thing. Remember that? Some of you have already forgotten. You're like, oh, man, I thought, I did, I thought you were just going to send me something six months from now. Now, I'm going to keep reminding us. We, a lot of us, 150, by the way, made those decisions to deal with our one thing. And they're hidden in a vault that we'll unlock sometime and send you all your stuff. But, but that, that's, that's what we want. We want us all, myself included, taking those next steps. So that's it. So... So really, the question then is, why, why reach? You know, and, and again, if you're here and you don't know anything about God, maybe this idea has crossed your mind before. I know it's crossed mine. Why can't we just keep it to ourselves? 
Like, okay, you got a relationship with Jesus or Buddha or whatever. Why do I need to know about it? Why, why can't you just be quiet and just live your life, I'll live mine, and leave me alone? Have you ever wondered that? Some, some of us who were our followers of Jesus sometimes wish we could just do that. We don't necessarily want to go into the cubicle next to us and talk about Jesus. It makes us feel uncomfortable. We'll talk a little bit about that. But why do, why do we do this? Why, why is reach? Why is going out? Why is trying to extend kind of, um, not our influence, but just extend the love of the, our Heavenly Father to as many people as we possibly can? Why do we do that? Now, I want to read a couple of verses for us, and then uh, we'll look at a section of Scripture on how Jesus modeled that, and then we'll wrap it up. But uh, there's a, uh, this is our uh, statement, by the way, reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father. In Matthew chapter 6, the disciples come up to Jesus. They've seen him pray. They've watched him go out early in the morning to be with his heavenly Father. And they basically approach him and they say, hey, could you teach us how to pray? And, and, and so what Jesus gives them is essentially, this, it's the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, or if you come from a Catholic background, you might call it the Our Father. He, he gives them this prayer to pray that teach them how to pray. And I'm just going to look at the first half to give you an idea of the heart of Jesus and the heart of our Heavenly Father and then the heart of our church as we look at reaching. Jesus says this. This is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, we don't ever use that word really anymore, and I probably should have found another translation, but this was the NIV, and I thought it would, you know have another thing, but I've just never used hallowed really before, but it means holy, blessed, reverent, to be placed in a, like put your name in its rightful place of authority. Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be prominent, may it be holy, may it be set apart. This understanding that, that there's something about a relationship with God that first and foremost places him in authority over our lives. And, and then this next statement is the one that I want to look at for just a little bit. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if you've been coming to church here for a long time, you know this idea of the kingdoms is something that I'm talking about all the time. Okay, there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of earth. And, and the thing that we often think about when we think about dying and going to heaven or whatever, we th- we kind of that's the idea we have of the kingdom of heaven. It's we die and we get a harp or wings or whatever, we're sitting on a cloud or however you think about it, which isn't anything like it. But, and, and, and that's kind of, we made it to heaven. We, that's the, the, the thing there. And then the kingdom of the earth, we just think of as like, well, that's the real kingdom. That's kind of the one where, you know, that's where traffic is and all those types of things. But notice this prayer. I want you to get this. What Jesus is saying that we pray to God is, that kingdom, that heavenly kingdom, we want to experience it now. That that kingdom of heaven, let your kingdom come on earth today as it is in heaven. Let your will be done now. And if you start thinking about that, that is tremendous. That in fact, we could just in our day-to-day lives, just in driving to work or going to school, taking a test, 
trying to get a promotion, that somehow in the midst of all of that, we can experience God's kingdom. This is the heart of our Heavenly Father. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who's in heaven, Almighty God, if He's for us, who can be against us, right? That God. May your kingdom come on earth. Can we get a glimpse of that now? Can your will be done in my life like it is, like it is up there? How do we connect the dots down here is really the prayer. And so what we do is we just look at the heart of our Father. Why? Why are we here? What does God want for us here on earth? And 2 Peter 3.9 says it this way. The Lord is not slow keeping his promise. Jesus promised he's going to return. Okay, and for those of us who, who are in on all this, follow this stuff in the Bible... Uh, this is a glorious day when Christ comes and establishes, again, his kingdom. He brings everything under his own authority, and it's placed back the way it was supposed to be placed. There's a new heaven, new earth, all that. Our relationship with God is restored, all, all these things. And so what Peter's saying is the Lord's not slow in keeping that promise. It's not like he's late, okay? Right now it's been 2,000 years since Jesus promised that. Watch, look at the Lord's heart. He's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And, and so for, for you or me or, you know, if you're visiting or whatever and you're asking yourself, why, why, can't, we just keep it, why can't we just keep it to ourselves? That's why. See, the gospel, the good news, the, the idea of salvation is not intuitive it's based on something that happened in history. As a matter of fact, Peter, one of the disciples, was before these Pharisees, and, and they basically told him just that. They said, look, just keep it to yourself. You want to be in your little sect and do your thing? We're cool. We'll leave you alone. Just don't talk about Jesus. Just keep it to yourself. We'll do our Pharisee thing. You do your Jesus movement thing, and you're all Jesus freaks. Fine. You know, let's just keep it to yourself. And Peter says this. This is an extraordinary statement. How do we do that? <laughs> how am I supposed to stop talking about what I've seen and what I've heard? Is it, how do I do that? He says, there's no other name by which we're saved. No other name. You don't just drive in your car one day and you just think, wow, I wonder, I think I'll just start talking about Jesus. You have to be told the story. And so it's incumbent upon the church to tell the story of Jesus. Now, watch what Jesus did. We're going to look at that a little bit and then we'll close it up. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He went out. Now, he's God in the flesh. He could have set up a little booth with a giant star over his head. They, he did that before, okay, right when he was born. Keep that same star, bring it down a little closer so it looks like really magnificent that everyone can see, oh, I, that's where I have to go. And he could go. But listen to the heart of our Heavenly Father. Jesus went out. One of the things Jesus said that was so incredible is he said, you know why I'm here? I'm here to seek and to save that which is lost. 
I'm here to go find, to go out, to go find it, not to stay and be really spiritual on a holy mountain and you come up and ask me stuff and I'll let you know what the wise answer is. Jesus was a man who went out into the towns and villages, okay? This, I believe, is our model for what we're to do, okay? So then what do we do once we get there? Here's, he did three things. Jesus went to the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues. Now that now, all of a sudden, this is where a lot of us feel like, I don't want to share my faith because I'm not really good at the teaching part, and somebody might ask me a question that I don't have the answer to, and if I try to show them in the Bible and I look stupid, then they're going to think Jesus is stupid, and uh, the whole thing just make, gives me the eebie-jeebies. I just don't want to be put under that kind of pressure. But this was part of what Jesus did. Jesus went into the synagogues and shared the truth. Remember, he went in there one time and he just said, he read out of Isaiah, and he goes, yeah, today this has been fulfilled. And they were like, what? But that was part of it. It's part of the word. Jesus was teaching them that. That was part of his reaching. The second thing he'd do is he'd proclaim the good news of the kingdom. He'd talk about that we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. They never talked in terms like that before. And he was talking about, man, when you go to God, just call him Abba, call him Daddy. And that was just new to them. And he was presenting this good news. Some of us have lost the, the idea that this is really good news, that God wants to have a relationship with us. It's ex- really great news. And so for some of us, the teaching thing might not be our thing, but to be able to say, yeah, you know, this is, this is what God did for me might be a little... Uh, more down our alley. And then the last thing is, and healing every disease and sickness. In other words, bringing restoration to a situation. And so we do this at Living Spring, all three of these, and what we try to do is be balanced in all three of them. And so in the teaching in the synagogue, we try to present the word of God as in the, the authority God breathed his words. So if it says it, then we do it. Even though it's lame sometimes, we don't want to. But he's like, yeah, forgive people. Ugh, I wish I could just rip that page out sometimes. But we teach in the synagogue. This is what it says, and we apply it to our lives. We're dead serious about the Bible. We're constantly talking about read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, because we really believe that it's God's word. And then there's the good news of the kingdom. To me, you know, when we talk about Jesus, it says he was anointed with the oil of joy. I, I think Jesus had a smile on his face. And so our church... I think, does a really good job of representing the joy of salvation. We're just not a stuffy church. I mean, we just, we, we, there's something about a life of transformation that's actually really fun. And I think we get that here. And then the third thing is healing every sickness and disease. This is part of who we are. I mean, this is the absolute DNA of our church, to go out and to help people. So we do our Be the Church where we ditch church and go help families. We did four houses last, uh, last year. This is why we have a food ministry, a clothing ministry. This is why we do Toys for Tots. It's why we do our backpack ministry where we get the neediest kids and give them backpacks. I mean, this is, the heart, this is Jesus' heart. For, and this is what it means for us to reach. In those situations where we need to bring the truth of the word, we bring it. In those situations where we need to bring the joy of our salvation and we preach the good news of the gospel, we bring it. And for those places where it's not time to talk about either, it's time to feed people, we try to do that too. And so that's what we mean by here. And here's the heart of Jesus and the heart of our church, hopefully, as we move forward. David, if you want to come back up. Well, 
says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, to send them out, not Pray to the Lord of the harvest that more people come inside the church. That's not the heart of Jesus. Hopefully they'll end up here and they'll be discipled and become a first-time visitor, a fully devoted follower of Christ. But our primary job, the first thing in our mission statement is to reach, to go out. And so we talk in terms of when you're at work, you're reaching. When you're in your neighborhood, you're reaching. When you're talking to a neighbor, you're reaching. And so what we're going to do for just the next few minutes, David's going to lead us in a, in a song. Um, but as we talk in terms of our church, our church is made up of you and I. To the extent that Living Spring is good at reaching is the extent you and I are good at reaching. And so maybe there was something in here that, that God's kind of prompting your heart to maybe take another step of boldness. Maybe you've been dancing around the whole issue of Jesus. You've been talking about God. You've been talking about this. You know, and God's saying, look, it's time to teach in the synagogue. You've got to kind of ramp it up a little bit. For some of you, everything's ramped up, and it's like, hey, back off a little bit. What about the joy of your salvation? Like, why are you so angry when you talk about Jesus? I mean, it's like, a, you know, some of us deal with that. Others need to kind of step out and start serving a little bit more in our community, the people we have. For some of us, you might be a manager and you've seen the people under you as like assets or whatever and you need to just see people with compassion, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You might have a boss that is intimidated by you and bothers you and is breathing down your neck all the time and God just says, open your eyes. It's a harvest. It's not their fault. They're sheep without a shepherd. And so as we take the next few minutes, and David will introduce this song, um, I just want to do this. I just want to take this time and do exactly what Jesus said and ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And so when you think of your own circle of influence, the people in your work and at school and in your neighborhood and in your extended family, maybe God says, you know what, this week, you're going to extend, I want you to extend your reach just a little bit more. 